Welcome to Conversations About Care, a podcast for pediatric clinical providers. Hi, this is Sandy Hassan, and I'm the Medical Director for the American Academy of Pediatrics Institute for Healthy Childhood Weight. And I'm excited to share today's conversation, which is part of our Clinical Practice Guideline Implementation Series. Throughout this series, you'll be able to hear from pediatricians across the country, many of whom have been instrumental in developing the CPG, or who have been out there in practice and working on obesity care and treatment. Our hope is that you can listen to these conversations and be inspired to think about how you might be able to integrate or improve obesity care and treatment within your practice. Stay tuned. Hello, and I'd like to welcome everyone today to our podcast, and I'm delighted to welcome two really important guests, I think, for our purposes about exploring how obesity treatment plays out across different practices in different regions of the country. Dr. Natalie Muth is here with me. She's a pediatrician at the Well Clinic at Children's Primary Care Medical Group in San Diego, And uh, accompanying Natalie is Cassandra Padgett, who is a senior health educator in the same group. And I really would like to welcome both of you and thank you for sharing your time with us on this podcast. Thank you for having us, Sandy. It's really a pleasure to be here. And we're, we're very excited to share a little bit about what we're doing at the Well Clinic at Children's Primary Care Medical Group. Thanks, Sandy. Thanks, and welcome, Cassandra, as well. As my audience knows, I like to ask folks how you first got interested in taking care of children with obesity and their families. And uh, we can start with uh, you, Natalie, and then Cassandra, if you would chime in. Uh, I think it's always interesting to see how this all got started for you. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Um, You know, I think my experience maybe parallels a lot of other clinicians who have an interest in childhood obesity. Um, when I was younger and, and as a child myself, I, I um, had challenges with, with childhood obesity and had a lot of experiences early on that um, inspired me to want to be able to work uh, with kids as I became a pediatrician who had similar experience or are going through something that I had done myself. And also throughout my training, I got very interested in nutrition and physical activity and um, behavior change and and coaching and psychology and motivational interviewing and kind of all these things came together really, really well for me and being able to explore uh, and, and pursue kind of my interest in helping children who have obesity and kind of working through that and also um, helping and just a, a larger scale in, in prevention of childhood obesity, but more importantly, in promoting health and, and well-being in kids, both physically and mentally. And, and uh, the disease process of childhood obesity and the experience, I think, of childhood obesity really aligns a lot of those things together. So, Natalie, I think it's so wonderful that you, you were able to take what, you know, your childhood experience build on that really throughout your career and share the fruits of all that learning and expertise with children and families. And I think, you know, I can't help but think it gives you a special insight into what the kids and families are going through. Yeah, I mean, everybody's so, experience is, is different for sure, but I do think um, it, it, it does help with the, with the empathy and the understanding. Yeah, and you can tell that by how, I, I think I you can already tell by how you're talking about, you know, about the field. Cassandra, how did you get involved with uh, obesity treatment? 
Yeah, so my background is in health promotion and education, and uh, my master's degree is in obesity prevention. And I, when I was in graduate school, I became, you know, more interested in nutrition and physical activity and um, got a health coaching certification and was really fascinated by motivational interviewing. And um, I ended up linking up with Natalie shortly after I graduated from grad school. And really, there's no earlier prevention than working with kids. And so being able to come on as a health educator in pediatrics, I think it's really great to help kids um, begin to make changes really early on that can impact their health as they um, get older and hopefully grow into healthy adults. So I will ask you, how did you two actually find each other? Because I'm sure there are pediatricians listening that go, wow, I'd like to find a health educator. How did you find each other? Yeah, I can um, speak to that. So the Well Clinic is our kind of um, primary care-based healthy living clinic that we have that I founded at Children's uh, Primary Care Medical Group about, I don't know, it's been about seven or eight years um, now. And I always knew through the process that um, we needed to have a team and really was interested in having a health coach to help support some of the work that we were doing, understanding some of the you know realities in, in primary care. We have the benefit of being a very large group. So we're the second largest single specialty pediatrics group in the country. So we have 150 pediatricians, 30 offices. Um, and so I was able to make the case to our leadership that we needed to have this uh, well clinic and that we needed help. And from there, we just set, put out an application for health coach and we were really floored that we got like over 100 applicants with it only being open for a very short period of time. There was a lot of interest, you know, out there in, in this role and kind of what we were doing. And Cassandra applied and she was our first choice because of just it's just phenomenal, really just experience and application. And so, um, you know, I can kind of hand it over to Cassandra, kind of her experience from there. But for from the pediatric side we put out an, applica- an opening for an, an application and we got a really exceptional response with a really highly qualified pool of applicants. Sorry, Cassandra. No. I, I just am struck by the fact that clearly there are people out there that really want to contribute to this work. And uh, we may not know. Uh, and certainly I didn't, uh, I wouldn't have expected that many applicants. So Cassandra, how did that work from your standpoint? Yeah, you know, I was really um, interested in working in primary care and participating kind of in that care team. And my experience previously was more um, in health coaching from the um, health insurance kind of side. And I thought that in general, my service is more impactful when it's coming from the coordination of care within, you know, the medical group. And so that has been the case. And I think it's easier to be received from the families when, you know, it's just kind of an integrated piece within the clinic um, versus having to go outside to somewhere else. It's all coordinated together. And I think that's really unique to our clinic and it helps it to be more impactful and get and help the patients to be able to get um, pretty good results as well. Well, Natalie, you said something I think is very important to all of us, that really uh, obesity care is best done in a team because it is a complex uh, uh, situation, uh, requires a lot of different expertise. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you built your team or how you got to where you are today? 
Yeah, it's really interesting because we've evolved a lot. And I guess one of the advantages of there not being, you know, a script for how to do this or or a set protocol that everyone follows is we've had a lot of opportunities to be innovative and also adjust course as things come up. So in starting when the when the clinic initially was founded, I had a medical assistant who I trained as a health coach to help work with me in person. And it was a dedicated um, afternoon in person that we did uh, twice a week. And we found some challenges with that. And as the program uh, evolved and became more robust, we were able to transition to having um, health educator, Cassandra, and we were doing, we were integrating the visits into the primary care practice in person. And Cassandra would see the patient's at the beginning of the visit, um, and then I would see them at the end, and we kind of tag team. Um, but then when COVID happened and everything went to telemedicine, we found out actually that telemedicine is a perfect way to deliver the well clinic and um, an extraordinary opportunity for us to be able to service a lot more of the patients in our group. Um, our, our group spans across San Diego and Riverside counties, and you can imagine transportation and access and all and all of that is really difficult in person. So we've evolved now. We're 100% um, telemedicine. And uh, we have our clinicians, so there's three of us, two of us pediatricians and one nurse practitioner who have a dedicated half-day session that see clinics in the see patients in the well clinic who've been referred to us. And then between those visits, we have two health coaches. So we have Cassandra, who's our senior health educator, and then we have another health educator who works alongside Cassandra, and they help to do their own telecoaching via video, phone coaching, my chart messaging, coaching, so kind of, um, you know, secure email way of checking in. We have group um, sessions that people can come to that have kind of specific topics. And we've built a well clinic kind of focused web resource for our patients where um, Cassandra and our other health coach, Katie, have uh, videos in English and Spanish kind of going through a lot of the key content um, in our in our clinic, which our focus is on nutrition, activity, sleep, screen use, and kind of social emotional wellness. So we use the model of like a wheel of health and, and those five domains and really help to tailor our program and our, our connection with our patients based on where they're at and what they most would benefit from, from their perspective and what they're interested in exploring and setting goals around. Well, I have so many questions, Natalie. You sound, it sounds like you've really been able to refine this model and individualize it to your patients. Just a few logistical questions. So are you running this in the midst of also a primary care practice or are you doing this exclusively? So I have one half day per week that I dedicate to the well clinic where I'm doing my session is all um, well clinic telemedicine. And then I have the rest of my time, uh, which is five other sessions a week are um, just general pediatric primary care. Well, so you've really been successful in integrating this into, into your primary care workflow. Another question is, are you, uh, are the patients that you see in well clinic your own patients or are you actually getting referrals from other physicians? Both, but the majority of the patients that we see in Well Clinic are referrals from pediatricians from, from within our group and other sites. We've, and this may be a conversation for another day, we've kind of expanded our model a little bit and we have another program that we call Healthy Living Visits where we've trained a lot of the other pediatricians in their own um, sites to be able to deliver a similar program for their own patients. That's not a mm -hmm. referral 
program and we help support them and our health educators help support them as well. But the, the well clinic, we have some of our, my own um, primary care patients, but the majority of the patients that I see in well clinic are referred to our clinic from other um, pediatricians within our group. And some, some outside pediatricians will refer their patients as well, but the majority are from within our group, but other sites. So what a terrific resource you have provided for your colleagues, because my feeling is that when they engage in training to see patients in their own practice, it probably helps them a lot to know that you're not only supporting that training, you're also a resource if they need help possibly with more complex patients. So it's pretty phenomenal how well you've been able to support them. When you, when you see a patient in well clinic, what is the time trajectory of that? Like, are they indefinite visits? Do you have a time-based program? What does that look like? Yeah, so we have kind of, I guess I'll, I'll call it a loose structure. So we have kind of a recommended or a typical path, but we tailor, we're very tailored to, to the patients and where they're at and what they what are most interested in, in doing. But we recommend a year of monthly visits with one of us clinicians for the well clinic. And these are the visits that you know, are billable and that we're able to kind of generate the resources that support our other activities. And then the the connections that they have with the health coach and the other resources are kind of separate from that. We are not, we don't receive any extra payment or compensation reimbursement for the, the work of our health educators or other programs. But uh, we do through the patients that we're seeing, myself, the other pediatrician and, and nurse practitioner are seeing um, for the visits, generally suggesting a year monthly visits, um, mm -hmm. but some patients are more often than that. Some patients, you know, don't complete the whole amount. Many of our patients, especially the ones that do go through the year, they keep seeing us for, for a longer period of time. We will start to kind of space the visits out a little bit more mm -hmm. as they're um, having the success and building their confidence and kind of having adapted or taken a lot of what they've learned and made it into a lifestyle change. So it's more second nature. Then we kind of start to extend it out a little bit. Cassandra, I'd like to ask you, what does it look like for you to begin to see a patient? Do you have a, an initial assessment that you'll do? And, and you know, how, do you, how do you get started with a patient as a self-educator? Yeah, so all of the Well Clinic patients have the opportunity, if they're interested, to receive extra ongoing coaching in between. And it typically ends up being the patients who need kind of more intensive or who have comorbidities that they are working on and just either the, the patient as a older child or teen needs the support or the family, the parents kind of need extra support. And so that's just kind of up to the patient if they want to engage in that extra coaching. And then when they do, typically they see me in between their visits with their well clinic clinician. And so I view my role as kind of helping to skill build, to help them to build the habits that they are working on and to provide kind of support and troubleshooting. And we really aim to frame the goals that they're working on as an experiment. It's something that Natalie taught me early on, and it really kind of takes the pressure off of the patient. And I think off of the parent as well, that we're not aiming to just get this all right on the first go, that things are going to come up and the mm -hmm. health coaches are there to troubleshoot along the way. So Cassandra, what a marvelous model that is. Do you explain at the beginning what a health coach is to folks? Do you find that they just sort of intuitively understand what you're going to be able to do? Or do you, do you give them kind of an explanation of what this looks like for them? Yeah. So every patient who comes on with the well clinic, we send them a message, you know, telling them that they have the opportunity to work with us and that we can help 
you know, provide support if they have questions or, you know, whether that's over the phone or through video visits or checking in, as um, Natalie mentioned earlier, through my chart messages. And we're there to answer their questions, you know, around those five topic areas that we work on. So how, uh, one more question maybe for both of you, how do your group visits work? Do you run them, you know, continuously or do you try to sign up a group of patients and do one topic? How, how does that work for you? Yeah, so the group visits are on a specific topic each month, and they're generally on things that people have the most questions about or that come up that people need the most support on. So typically, you know, things like emotional eating or picky eating or meal planning, things like that. And then either the patient or the parent can join in on the group and we kind of provide a little bit of information and then people can chat in if they have any questions. So you basically, it sounds like you have this tremendous menu of resources and the patient can sort of tailor it to, to where they are at the moment. Um, Natalie, I wanted to ask you, when you do the telehealth visits, are you doing uniformly, um, or not uniformly, are you including families in the visit? Do you see the older kids by themselves? How does that work for you? We do both. So most always really the initial visit that we have, the parent is there with the child and then follow-up visits if it's an older child or a teen a lot of times the family prefers or the child prefers to be one-on-one -on -one and the parent is not there and sometimes they prefer that the family the parent is there or sometimes we'll have some sessions where it's with the teenager and then you know we'll say okay for the next one you know because there's things that maybe come up with the family or they need some more of the support and they're willing to let their parent be there you know they have the parent come and we can really focus one of the things that we really focus on is helping both the kids and their parents setting goals around things that they have control over so a lot of times parents will want to come and set the goal for the child and have all these things that the kids especially teenagers you know the, the parents they want what's best for their kid but they want to tell their kid what to do and of course you know the the, the teenager or the mm -hmm. child doesn't isn't so responsive to that always so we work with both individually and separate to um, best meet the family's needs wherever they're at. So I was really uh, fascinated by what Cassandra said about how you're, you're framing goal setting and the work of, of your uh, well clinic. Can you talk more about that, how you tell, you know, how you describe the work of this to the patients and how you maybe demystify goal setting and facilitate goal setting? Absolutely. So like Natalie said, we have those five topic areas that we work on and we have kind of a loose structure of things that we go over. And then we discuss with patients kind of where they're at in terms of each of those areas, nutrition, physical activity, sleep, stress management, and screen time, and then kind of go toward where they are interested in working on. And um, sometimes, you know, the parent has something that they want to kind of focus on that they have control over, and then the kid has their own interests. And really, we're trying to take away the idea that like we are telling them what to do or that, you know, they might come to us feeling like we're just going to tell them that they have to eat a bunch of certain foods or whatever. And I think a lot of this leaks in also, you know, sometimes from the parents, perhaps from diet mentality, that there's going to be a prescribed plan or things that they have to do in an exact way. And I think it can kind of take the stigma out of it by saying, you know, there isn't a right or wrong way. We're here to support you in making small steps that are going to help you to improve your health over time. And we're sensitive to, you know, what's most important to you. And we want to support you in that and help you to build the skills. If you are wanting to, you know, eat more fruits and vegetables, kind of what does that look like? Or, you know, improve the sleep in the home. What does that look like? And how can we support you in setting goals in a way that interests the child and the parent? 
And, and I think to add real quickly, um, we, we take an approach sure. of like smart goal setting, which, uh, you know, a lot of people may be familiar with, like specific, measurable, attainable, relevant time bound goals. So we'll kind of teach them what that means. But then as Cassandra was mentioning, we'll kind of say like, you know, so think of it as an experiment, you know, we're just going to try some stuff out and see what works, what works for you, what maybe doesn't. But like, is there something, you know, over the next couple of weeks that you would like to set a goal around or that you'd, you'd like to try out? And then a lot of times they'll kind of give us what is important to them or where they're at with their readiness to do something. And then from there, we help them to, to carve that into a SMART goal that they have is kind of something that they're going to just, you know, experiment with over the next few weeks or month until we see them next. And then we kind of build it from there. Uh, Natalie, I think it's great that you're framing goals as experiments and that you're going to try this and they're going to watch what happens and you're going to watch what happens and, and you're just going to tweak it and tailor it for them. And I really love that approach. I want to switch gears a little bit now and ask you, how are you working with your subspecialist when the kids have comorbidities? What's that like in your clinic? That's a really great question. I'm glad you asked it because one of the things that we are limited by um, in San Diego, which may be surprising, in fact, California, a lot of California, um, we don't have access really to a pediatric focused multidisciplinary obesity specialty clinic or bariatric surgery, really. Um, we've been able to kind of get a little bit of a relationship going with UCSD, who does more adults, but they're seeing some of our patients. But there are some specialists, though, of course, many well-known ones in GI and endo that have some similar sort of clinics to us. And then, of course, there's comorbidities that require, it's not really about a, a clinic related to weight, but comorbidities that can be associated with obesity. So we've really, we're very impacted. Our specialists are very impacted, as, as they are in many places where there's very long wait times and they're really, you know, preferring to see the patients that have more severe disease or more complicated disease than what we can manage in primary care. But we have had to, through our clinic, do a lot of management of many of the comorbidities ourselves. But when we need to, we're integrated with Rady Children's Hospital and the Rady Children's Specialists um, on the same epic electronic record and have a, a close relationship and can access them easily and they can access us easily. Um, so when needed, we are able to refer to the specialists in the various different areas, you know, GI, endo, cardiology, if needed. Those are the main ones that Sorry, we use yeah. the most. Sorry, Natalie, I take it you found yourself managing maybe more comorbidities than you probably initially anticipated when this started. Yeah, well, yes. And we're really encouraging our colleagues to to let us, you know, for they if they don't feel as comfortable managing some of them to, to send them to us and let us help manage them. Because really what it comes down to for, as we know, for pediatrics, a lot of our, our kids, the management is kind of the same or in large part the same for many of the comorbidities and we're starting to do a little bit more with medications as well. But beyond that, you know, really focusing on the nutrition, the physical activity and sleep, we're learning more and more about that's impact and then their mental health and well-being and, and kind of the, the impacts with screen. So, yes, we're doing more than we initially anticipated, but we're actually happy to do that and want to and want to be doing that so that our patients have quicker access and we're able to help reserve access to the specialists for, for those patients that have more um, complicated or comorbidities or needing a higher level of care. So, Natalie, I think you said something very important is that the management of comorbidities is managing the obesity. That's part of comorbidity management. And so I think that's very true. And so we have to keep our eye on 
getting specialized care if they need it for the actual comorbidity, but also continuing obesity management, which is management for comorbidities. So I think that's very important. How have you found the kids to be coming out of COVID? What's been your experience? Have, have you been seeing the weight gain that we're all seeing reported? Across primary care and certainly in the patients that you know we're seeing in primary care or who are being referred initially to the well clinic, yes, definitely. For the kids who've been in, and we're kind of working on the analysis for this now to have you know more, not just be anecdotal, but for many of the patients that we've been working with kind of through the pandemic, a lot of them have actually not had so much of the weight gain or some of them have even been able to, to stabilize or decrease. And I think part of that is being able to have some support and having a plan during those days where there was a lot of downtime and the mental health concerns and you know all kinds of things that without being prepared for those, that no one was prepared for COVID, but when in the no. midst of it, having support, I think helped a lot of the kids actually do okay and maybe even do better than they might have otherwise. But without that and kind of in the whole spectrum of things, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really unfortunate. Um, so many things about what happened uh, with COVID is extremely unfortunate. And as far as the obesity concerns go, on the whole, we've seen in San Diego and Riverside, you know, the same thing that's going on everywhere else. Not just the obesity oh, I, and, then, and then the other side, the eating disorders and everything else. There's a whole lot of concerns um, around, you know, well-being for our kids. Absolutely. And I think it may, you know, I, I think it's a testament to your quick pivot to telehealth that you were able to support all your ongoing patients and sort of tells us a lot uh, about the fact that obesity really is a chronic disease that needs continued support and uh, how important that is to all the kids. What what has been your approach to weight bias and stigma with the kids? Do you have special group sessions that cover that, or do you cover that individually? How how are you handling that? Yeah, that's a really that's a really great question. We are not directly we don't currently directly have anything that specifically to the kids discusses weight bias or stigma, but we absolutely are taking a very proactive approach within our clinic and within our colleagues of re of undoing a lot of what uh, people have maybe you know started with or been trained to do or whatever that ends up leading to a lot of um, weight bias or stigma. So we're very conscientious about um, our language within our clinic and how we're how we're communicating with our patients and families and not or well, to take the positive, always using, um, you know, person first language and, and being very supportive and receptive when when conversations come up with our patients around their experience of weight bias and stigma. We also through that program, I briefly mentioned the healthy living visits where we've trained um, 50 of our colleagues within our group to do the healthy living visits. And part of that has been for educational sessions of which weight bias and stigma and, and how to communicate with patients and how to look at the growth chart and how to talk about that in a way that's sensitive is an important part of, of a complete training for that. And we hope to do more and we need to do more because we also hear from our patients who are coming through in various ways, whether it's other of our colleagues or the specialists and things where they have experienced um, you know, haven't had haven't had a great experience because of unintended but um, clear, you know, weight bias and stigma. 
Yeah, so important and so good that you're really incorporating that into the educational program you have for your colleagues. What about how have you guys been addressing food insecurity in your in your patients? And maybe Cassandra, are you finding that that crops up as a, an issue for patients when you're trying to uh, they're working on improving their nutrition? Yes, absolutely. And in fact, our group received a grant from Cooking Matters earlier this year. So we've been carrying out a program that directly addresses food insecurity and helps to build skills for it's targeted toward um, younger kids age zero to five and their caregivers and um, underserved, you know, kids who have Medi-Cal. And it helps to provide resources around nutrition on a budget, um, again, cooking resources. And then we also have um, incentives to support them with, you know, grocery store gift cards and if they participate in what we're offering. So we do private nutrition coaching with them. Then we have, you know, group webinar style things. We have one of our colleagues who is in the well clinic is a culinary medicine specialist, and she's doing cooking demos through webinars that we are providing for these families. And then we've also connected with Radies in supporting the people who really need support in connecting with like WIC and other programs to help them to get access to food. But that is certainly something that has come up. And it's a big challenge when you have families who want to make changes, but getting access to food is a barrier and they, you know, some are using what they can get from food pantries and things like that. So Cooking Matters is something that we've utilized this year to provide support for that. I just to elaborate um, briefly on that as well. So the Cookie Matters grant we received, we learned about it through AAP, Section on Obesity Newsletter. So hats off to the AAP for that. And also um, just to follow up on the food insecurity, we also in our initial visit do food insecurity screening. So the two insecurity screening questions. And then we are able, um, we're very fortunate that we have a very robust 211 in San Diego County. So patients can reach out to 211, either calling them or, or online, 211 sd.org and they will help on the spot to connect patients to resources like Cassandra mentioned like WIC or SNAP or food banks other resources to help support um, being, having access to not only food but nutritious food and then Cooking Matters helps and the resource of Cooking Matters helps to be able to know what to do with that um, you know nutritious food to, to create meals on a, on a budget. So Natalie um, can you just say a little bit more about what Cooking Matters is our audience may not recognize that term. Yeah, so Cooking Matters is a program of Cure Our Strength, which is No Kid Hungry, which people may be familiar with, where their uh, mission and goal is to help reduce food insecurity and be able to help promote healthy eating on a budget. And, and more than that, they do a lot. So I don't want to short sight all of the amazing things they're doing. As part of that, they put out a call for proposals and kind of a grant opportunity for clinicians, healthcare groups to implement some cooking matters, which includes they have developed online education resources. They also have a curriculum that can be deployed and a lot of resources. And they provided us with some funding to be able to do cooking demos with our patients and provide them um, with some additional tools and resources to help promote being able to not only know about healthy eating, because we know that knowing about it isn't going to translate to changes necessarily for many reasons, 
So Cooking Matters helps to take that knowledge and translate it into, into changes and understanding where patients are at and helping to support them and being able to do it with a smaller budget. Cassandra is our lead and she's taken, like she's, she's done all of the Cooking Matters planning and implementation and working with them to really help scale it for our group. Wow, what a wonderful resource to have. Well, as we close uh, out our time here, I'm going to ask you each in turn if there is anything else that you really wanted to share with our audience. And Cassandra, I'm going to ask you, is there something else uh, or anything else you'd like to share with our audience before we wrap up? You know, I think it's really fantastic that we're able to be innovative and utilize this model and incorporate health educators in, I think, as you all know, the clinician time is at a minimum. And so to be able to support these patients and help patients to not fall through the cracks and help them to have support in between their visits with the clinicians, it can be really impactful to have health educators as part of the care team. Well said. And I think we'll have a whole bunch of people looking around or in their own region for uh, this pool of people that can really help them in their practice. Natalie, anything you'd like to say to our audience before we wrap up? Yeah, I'd like to say, don't let kind of the idea of like perfect get in the way of um, good enough or great, um, especially in getting started. You know, there's the models of what we would love to do in an ideal world if everything was set up perfectly for us. And then there's the reality of being a primary care clinician. And that's just like not possible. Um, so I think being creative and thinking about ways within your own clinic that things might work or getting started and really leaning on resources that the AAP has provided, the section on obesity and kind of the team there, a lot of people are working to the same mission. And there's a lot of really great ways, effective ways to do this. And bringing in team members to help support us as pediatricians not only helps make it doable, but just makes it tremendously better experience for everyone. And not everyone will be able to do or want to do it the way that we're doing it, but that's okay because it shouldn't all, there isn't one right way, but the way that we found in having that team approach is really highly valuable for, for everyone and makes it doable. Thanks, Natalie, for that encouragement for all of us to just look at our own resources and our own situation and start right where we are. I'd like to thank both you, Natalie and Cassandra, for being with us today and sharing your time for this podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my conversation today with Natalie Muth and Cassandra Padgett. I hope that you were able to take away some practical strategies on how to move obesity care and treatment forward in your practice. As a reminder, there are many resources to support your capacity building and CPG implementation efforts, which you can find on our website, www.ap.org slash obesity CPG. resources, or opinions expressed during the Conversations About Care podcast series are solely those of the individuals and do not necessarily represent those of the American Academy of Pediatrics. The topics included in these podcasts do not indicate an exclusive course of treatment or serve as a standard of medical care. Variations, taking into account individual circumstances, may be appropriate. The primary purpose of this podcast is to explore common themes related to quality pediatric care from the perspective of clinicians. This podcast series does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services.
This podcast is available for private, non-commercial use only. Advertising, which is incorporated into, placed in association with, or targeted toward the content of this podcast without the expressed approval and knowledge of the American Academy of Pediatrics podcast developers is forbidden. You may not edit, modify, or redistribute this podcast.